Guys, you know, uh, last time I was here a couple weeks ago, I didn't feel so great. Some of you probably figured that out a little bit. I had a little procedure. Everything is great and fine. After a week uh, of being off, I feel really great. We got a chance to go down and see our daughter last week in South Carolina. And while I was gone, Tony did an awesome job uh, wrapping up the Grace series, uh, talking about extending grace. I got a chance to listen to that. And uh, it was uh, very, very well done and very encouraging. A lot of personal uh, things he put into that message and uh, just showing grace. So I appreciate that. And, and the neat thing is that that message uh, series really helps us segue easily into our next series that we're going to be in for a couple of weeks here, three weeks actually. And we're calling this new series Woke. And uh, you know, uh, we always use that word. We don't use the word very often at all, but it is kind of a verb. I, like I woke up this morning, all of us obviously did. Uh, but you probably know that the word is also oftentimes used as an adjective as well. Uh, maybe you don't know that, but, but it is, and it means to be with it, to be aware of something that's going on. So in our modern use of the word today, it's an encouragement to be aware of certain social issues, specifically about race. And uh, I'll be honest with you up front, I was a little bit reluctant about even use of the word for the topic of, uh, of the, the title of the series, but uh, because it has some negative connotation. Obviously, it's out there somewhere. But we're going to use it in a positive way to help us make a, be aware of the issue of racism in our world today. And you know, if you don't know that, racism is a big issue. And, and it's a concern for, uh, for us in our country, or it should be. And it's a concern for God as well, as we're going to see from His Word. It's a concern for several reasons. One of the reasons is that it's a big distraction from the gospel. In fact, it, is, it stands in opposition to the gospel. And that's why we're going to spend about three weeks talking about that. And so we want to be woke up in our awareness to the danger and the damage of racism in our world today, and we want to guard against it in our church, against it in our community, and we want to guard against it in our own individual lives. Because I'm going to be honest up front and tell you that all of us probably have some issues about this. All of us bring some baggage with us from our families, our past, our experiences, our environment, our own hearts. And it's going to be a time that we don't need to search ourselves and, and talk about that. And there's a lot of, the word comes up a lot today. There's a lot of discussion today as to whether certain people are, are racist. We're not going to go there, which is not going to be a political thing at all. And in fact, we're going to talk about it more personal a little bit. There's also discussion today as to whether racism even exists in our world. You know, people might argue that I, as a white man, could easily say that I don't believe that racism exists because I don't experience it. Amen. But let me tell you something. Just because I don't experience something doesn't mean that it isn't real. Amen. All right, let's take, for example, uh, chronic pain. Some people have chronic pain. I don't have it, thank the Lord, but I know it's real. Why? Because there are people that I know, people that I, that I love, and people that I trust who have chronic pain. And when they tell me they hurt, I believe they hurt, all right? And I would say something similar about racism. How do I know it exists? Because people I know, people that I love, and people that I trust tell me that it is real. And so those of us who don't experience that need to wake up and realize that other people do, and those who do experience it need understanding and love and acceptance and grace and while, and possible, some relief if we can give it. And so that's why I think it's important that we talk a little bit about this, even though I've never really preached on this subject specifically. So in case you don't know about it, in our world, it's out there. If you don't watch the news, you know that our world's in a deepening racial crisis of division and violence. 
black on white, but also a white on black and back and forth, but other fronts as well. For example, on August the 3rd, 2019, this year, a mass shooting occurred in a Walmart in El Paso. A gunman walked in and killed 22 people and injured 24 others. The FBI is investigating that, trying to figure out and looking at it as an act of domestic terrorism and a possible hate crime as a shooter admitted to targeting and even traveling 650 miles to specifically attack people from Mexico. Now, that is racism. That is terrorism and racism as well. And it was another incident of what many people call America's original sin, racism, the attack on people who are different, different from us. Early in our country's history, uh, as we are now, this country, uh, our attack on Native Americans, our attack on African Americans, Latinos, and during certain periods and eras of our history, other nationalities as well. You know, I was just thinking, and some of you will remember this and some of you don't, but back in the 70s, uh, people told Polish jokes, Polak jokes, right? And we heard that all the time, and many of us probably told those jokes, and we're very insensitive. But our, our countries uh, as a culture also made fun of Jewish folks, Amen. of Italian people, of Irish, all nationalities. So as much as I hate to admit it, we have a sinful history in this area. All of us do. Amen. And as a white man, I can say that. I can acknowledge that, acknowledge my own struggles, my own weaknesses, my failures, and my guilt in this as well. Our country knows about this. In fact, it's not so recent as well. 400 years ago, in August, the first slaves were brought from Africa to Virginia. And you know what's the most unfortunate thing about that, as bad as that is? Unfortunately, the church has even been complicit in the past, specifically defending slavery. That is our national shame. And as a country, we need to repent of that. We need to acknowledge that, repent of that, and, and try to move forward in that. But we're not going to talk specifically about culture. We're going to talk about what the Bible says about race, about racism, and about civility. And today we're going to talk about specifically what the Bible says about race. And we're going to look at five things that the Bible teaches us about race and try to understand how we got here and where, how we ought to be thinking. The first thing that we have to acknowledge is that all of us are created by the same God. We are all created by the same God. Genesis 1 has the account of all creation and it ends in God's greatest creation of mankind. If you probably know the story, uh, in six, uh, five days, God created everything, our earth and all the animals and everything on it. And, and then on the sixth day, uh, he created man, his masterpiece creation. Here's what it says in Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God created the human race. Can I just say that again, that God created the human race? Not many human races, one human race. He did not create different colored Adam and Eves. He made one couple. There are many ethnicities, but there's only one race. There's only one human race. And God created that. This is how the Bible puts it in Acts chapter 17. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. That God had a plan for all of this. 
God had a plan that there would be uh, Europe and all the continents and all the nations and different kinds of people. He had a plan to populate this earth with a lot of different people. But it began with one set of parents to do it. One set of parents. And in a few moments, we're going to kind of see how that works out uh, and, and how, why we have what we call different races today. But remember, there's only one human race. And all human life comes from God. All human life is equal. It's different from animal life. We understand that we as human beings are different. Now, I know you love your animal, and uh, you know how I feel about animals probably, but I'm sure you love your animal, whatever it is, cat, dog, parrot, whatever it is. That's great. And I'm sure they are super intelligent, but they're not human. Unfortunately, they're not human, all right? Uh, Because God made us different. We're different from animals. I read the other day about the first ape that was given human rights. And I just said, you know, that's ridiculous. You know, uh, care for this animal, but it's not a human that doesn't get human rights. Humans are different in many ways than animals, but primarily because we were not just made by God, we were made in the image of God. All of us made in the image of God. God put something of himself into us, not just consciousness, not just the ability to think and speak and reason and develop things, but something eternal. He put a soul in every one of us. Every one of us have the soul that makes us in the image of God, and our soul allows us to do what only humans can do, and that is to have a relationship with the living God. He made us all for that purpose, and He made us all equally, all all creation. The second thing is that we're all equally loved by God, equally loved by God, every one of us. Romans chapter 2, for God does not show favoritism. Galatians chapter 3, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You know what? We see differences in people, don't we? But God sees us all equally, and God loves us all evenly. And understand that every person, regardless of who they are, has incalculable value, regardless of their skin color, how much money they have, what world, the country they live in, any other difference. That God made us and God gave us our value and He calls us to come to Him and He even gave us a way, Jesus, to be able to do that because all of us are imperfect. You know, when I was a little kid, we sang a song that said, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Maybe you all sang that too. And you know what that that does? That reminds me of something that we're all equally loved, but we have to all admit that we are different in some way. In fact, all of us are different, aren't we? Some people are really different, you know? I can be really different sometimes, not in a good way, I think. Lori says I'm a little crazy sometimes. She says that you all don't see that part of me, that I only show that at home, a little bit crazy, but... But, you know, I can be different. I've known some really different people, and they look just like me in a lot of ways. Not in a good way. (laughs) But we're all really different, and God made us that way. In fact, there's a difference. There's almost a dividing line in this room that some of us are men and some are women. There's a little bit of difference between men and women, right? We're just made differently. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we're, we're, we're different. You are born one of a kind. You are one, all of us are different. Every, you know, you are one of a kind. From your fingertips that are u- unique to you, your fingerprints, to the smallest detail of your physical body, to, uh, to, to your characteristics, your voice, 
Everything about you, you are different. In a world of 7 billion people, there is only one you. So are we different? Absolutely. We got to recognize that we're different. And God has made also different ethnicities within the human race. You have a skin, and this skin has a color, and you have other features that mark you as different from other people. You know, I was thinking, we have four children. Two of our kids are adopted. If I were to line my, my children up here in front of you, you, unless you knew, and some of you do know our kids, you would probably pick out one of our children that you would think for sure was adopted because she doesn't look like the rest of them. I think the other three look alike, but only one doesn't, and she is our biological, one of our biological daughters. <laughs> You know, I mean, she's a sweetheart. She's blonde and light-complected and, and kind of unlike the others, but we're all different. God made us different like that. We're one of a kind. God has made us all unique, and we're going to find out why we are unique in just a few moments as we get a little more technical beyond me. I, we'll do it in a video. But understand this, that different skin colors do not make us superior or inferior to anyone. Nor has anyone ever done anything to get punished, and the punishment be their ethnicity. Now, why would I say that? I'm going to say that. I'm going to tell you something that is crazy, but I'm, I'm going to tell you because I want to dispel this, and I want to expose this as a problem. Why would I say that? Because that used to be taught as a way of Christians justifying slavery years ago. I don't know if you ever heard this. Some of you have never heard it, but some will. But the argument was made that God had cursed black people and they deserve slavery. That argument was made, actually, at times, and unfortunately by the church. Now, where'd they get that? Well, it goes all the way back into the story of Noah. And you probably remember the Noah, story of Noah. He built the ark, and he and his three sons and their wives, and Noah's wife, all of them are on the ark. So not only do we have two common parents that we all came from, Adam and Eve, uh, Noah and his family were the only ones left, so we all came from them as well. But anyway, after Noah got off the ark, he was a little bit ahead of the, the craft beer craze, and he planted a vineyard. And, uh, and, he, and obviously, it grew well because he got uh, uh, grapes, and he made wine, and he got drunk. And he had three sons, Ham, Shem, and Jepheth, and uh, he got drunk, and he ended up uh, laying naked in his house, and, and Ham came in and dishonored his father. He came in and, ex and exposed his father. It would be like taking a picture of his dad or a selfie, you know, of his dad. And that was dishonoring to him. And so Noah disowned Ham and cursed his descendants, specifically his son named Cana, and the, who was the father of the Canaanites. You probably heard them. They're the ones that the people of Israel came in and they took uh, the Canaanite land. But part of the curse that he gave was they would be slaves to other descendants. And from that came somebody's crazy idea that their skin turned black and they were destined to be slaves. I mean, that was out there. I, I've heard that when I was a child. It's unbelievable. Just crazy, ridiculous, made it up in so many ways because the Canaanites, you know, practically they were Caucasians as well. What Noah meant was that Ham's descendants would not amount to much, and he was right, you know. They went on and, and were ungodly people. See, that's how people get so mixed up by creating stories and false narratives that aren't true, that create stereotypes and lies that, that cause so many problems. So how do we get to be different? Not through Ham's family. We got to be different in a different, unique, specific way. There's only one human race, but when we say the word race, we're talking about different nationalities generally, about all different, different colors and all different language and everything else. When the Bible talks about race, it doesn't talk about color. It talks about different nations, people groups, and languages. 
And God did that. God divided them up for a specific reason. In the book of Genesis, again, chapter 11, this was after the flood when people became, uh, began multiplying and repopulating the earth after the flood. They were ambitious to rebuild their communities, and they had a lot of ambition together. In fact, I'm going to read some verses from Genesis 11. Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Now, I don't, that may not be uh, significant to you, but they didn't just pile rocks up, which you can only get so far, piling rocks. They began to engineer bricks. And they were serious about building something that would last and that, that would really be tall. And they said, come, let's build ourselves a city with the tower that reaches to the heaven so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if there's one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city that it was why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Remember that verse in, in Acts 17 that said God planned the different nations and languages and tongues and everything? This is where God made that all happen there at the Tower of Babel. And we learned some things there real quick is that when people are united, there's nothing they can't do. But when they are divided, everything falls apart. Kind of like our state motto, united we stand, divided we fall. The Tower of Babel is a separation that caused the physical variations of the human race. And from that came various ethnic variations until we get to where we are today. Now, that's a little bit too simple for you, I understand. Uh, but here's a short video from a ministry called Answers in Genesis that I thought was really helpful to understand that and to summarize it. So let's watch this video. I hear this one a lot. How can there be so many races in the world if we are all descendants of Adam and Eve? Well, check this out. First off, let's talk about the word race. Sometimes when people use the word, they mean supposed races of people who have evolved at different times, rates, and in different locations. That's not true. Of course, the word race is also a term we use to distinguish between groups with different physical traits, namely skin color. But are there really different races? Take a gander at Acts 17.26 where it is written that God, from one man, made every nation of men. It's clear then that the Bible teaches that there is one race, the human race. The Bible is also clear that all people on the earth are descendants of Adam and Eve who were created by God. Check Genesis 1, through 28. Easy enough. God created two people in his image, male and female, and told them to increase in number. So Adam and Eve are mom and dad of the human race. Then their children had children, and those children had children, and so on and so forth for many generations until, according to Genesis 6, 9, the world's population was reduced to eight people who were protected inside an ark during a global flood. And those eight people later walked off the ark, and according to Genesis 9.19, from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Oh, wait a second. What do I mean scattered? Well, jump over to Genesis 11, and let's talk about an event known as the Tower of Babel. Basically, because of the sinful actions of the descendants of Noah, the Lord confused their language and scattered them from there over all the earth. That's pretty clear and concise. Okay, so we've got lots of people who are descendants of the eight folks who came off the ark, and now they have been scattered all over the earth. That explains that we are still one race and that different groups of people ended up in different locations. But how do we get a bunch of different colored people if we are all one race? 
but follow along. This of course is a simplified explanation, but the basic principles are true. We all have a pigment in our bodies called melanin, which depending on different variables produces different shades of the one main skin color we all possess. Several genes control the amount of melanin produced and thus the variability in the skin shade. In fact, it's easy for one couple to produce a wide range of skin shade variability in just one generation, as we'll see in just a moment. Time for a quick genetics lesson. DNA is the molecule of heredity that is passed from parents to children. A child inherits 23 chromosomes from each parent. Each chromosome pair contains hundreds of genes which regulate the physical development of the child. However, to illustrate basic genetic principles pertaining to the topic, we'll just talk about two genes, the genes that control the production of melanin. So, let capital A and capital B symbolize versions of the gene that code for large amounts of melanin, while little a and little b code for small amounts. Got it? Easy. Check this out. Take a look at the upper left. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B genes, and mom contributes capital A, capital B genes as well. Together they will produce a child with capital A, capital A, capital B, and capital B. This is a kid with a lot of melanin, thus he will have very dark skin. Easy to see. Here's the bigger point though. Let's say dad contributes capital A, capital B, and mom contributes little a and little b. Well, the child's skin will be middle brown shade, the combination of capital A, little a, and capital B, little b, which by the way represents a majority of the world's population. Not only that, but if each parent is capital A, little a, capital B, little b, the combinations that could be produced in their children could result in a very wide range of skin shades in just one generation. So. Since Adam and Eve were the first people ever, it makes sense to conclude that God placed in them a combination of genes that could produce all different shades of skin we see. Those same combinations would be present in Noah and the seven other people who boarded the ark. And because God dispersed people at the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the population thereby isolating gene pools in the different people groups. Over time, different cultures formed in different locations with certain features like skin shade becoming predominant. And here we are today. And since we all go back to Noah and his family, it makes sense that we are all different shades of brown. One race, multiple people groups, just like the Bible teaches. Simplified for sure, but enough said. There you go. And I'm sure you got all of that. Could, could repeat that back, all right? Uh, again, it's a summary. But here's the thing. We're all different. We're all made equally by God. We're all loved by God. Thirdly, we're all equally, equally welcome to come to God through Christ. We're all equally welcome to come to God through Christ. Second Peter chapter 3, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. You know, the world's community was broken by sin. If you think about Adam and Eve, they were a community of their own, basically. They, their, their, their community was broken when they sinned, the first sin. The people in Noah's day, they definitely broke their community, and it was uh, punished by the flood. Our sin today breaks us. Community is broken and shattered by our sins. God's solution was to divide the human race into ethnic groups. But one day, God will reunite us in a new community which will not be broken by sin, not be broken by division or anything else. Amen. Understand that God loves community. In fact, God is a community uh, of oneness Himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and He longed for us to come and join His community. Now, at one time in the Old Testament world, uh, access to God was limited to a certain nation. God had His favored people, His chosen people, but when Christ came, He opened up salvation to everyone. And when we put on Jesus Christ, we lose all of our differences. They're all hidden in Him. Here's what it says in Galatians chapter 3. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is the male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so as Christians, we ought to be seeing Christ in each other instead of what's on the outside. 
Instead of our differences, we see what we're common, what we all have in common. And our diversity should make us glorify God who could be so creative and make us so different but so similar in Jesus Christ. That's what we have to view and understand. The fourth thing I want you to know is that all nations will be equally celebrated in heaven. All nations. Here's the vision that's given in Revelation chapter 7. I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When we get to heaven, we're going to be praising God all the time. And the last thing we're going to recognize is who might look different from us. We are not going to recognize those things. We will not see color or any other differences in heaven because anything and everything that separates us here will be dissolved in the light of God's glory and grace. It'll all be gone. And that's the community God longs to to exist. Arthur John Ortberg writes that the Jewish word uh, shalom describes this vision. Now, I always thought shalom just meant peace. I understood that. And shalom is often, often used as a greeting or even a farewell, uh, and it's understood to mean peace or prosperity. But the real meaning is deeper than that. The meaning is not just peace to you. The, the real meaning is peace among us. And the meaning that, that he suggests is the webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight. In other words, everything comes together in God, in our community, among people, in hearts. Peace reigns. When we all act in concert, justice will break out. Peace will reign. Wholeness is created in relationship, and love will overflow. That's what heaven's going to be like. And when people of different races join their hands and honor each other and decide and commit to be enriched by their differences and are united in the common humanity that we all share, that's when it's beautiful. That's when harmony is made. I was thinking old Paul McCartney said it well, ebony and ivory living together in perfect harmony, right? On my keyboard, why can't we do it in life? Why can't we do it in real life? Why can't we all just live in this shalom, this peace? And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of that community. I want to live in shalom. I want to live in that kind of harmony with people. Well, the last point I want to share is that the Bible calls us to love the world like Jesus does. The Bible calls us to love this world with the heart of God like Jesus does. Jesus said this in John 15, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Did you notice that there are no qualifiers or no exceptions? There are no people that we love more than others or less than others. Jesus taught us to pray that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if we are wanting that kingdom, we're wanting to be a part of that kingdom, we ought to be trying to make that kingdom happen here. And that's only going to happen when we are intentionally seeking to do so. When we intentionally examine our hearts and minds and we reach out to build relationships with people that we may be different from and we build bridges with people and then we show the love, the grace and acceptance that we have received from God and we show that to other people. No matter who, how different two people are, they will never be as different as we are from God. Never be. And yet God bridged that gap, and he brought us to him. And I want this church to be a place that we have that kind of acceptance and that kind of love. So, you know, several years ago, I had this vision of starting a multi-ethnic service. 
And it was going to be different, specifically divine for all different kinds of people. And, and it would not just be like, a, you know, a, a worship service that we have. But, you know, uh, starting a new service is difficult. It's challenging. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of challenges there. So that didn't happen. But, you know, what I'm more excited to see is that today our regular services are much more diverse than they ever were back then. And I, I say absolutely. Absolutely. And I would love to see more and more that. I would love to see us reflect more the makeup of our community. I would love for this to be a place where we are more diverse even than our community is. And there would be a little bit of heaven coming down here. You know, Martin Luther King said that it's one of our nation's tragedies that Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours in America. And that really is true, you know. And I understand there's different styles and everything, and we're all going to gravitate different places. That's okay. But I think it's the heart of it. It's the attitude more than anything else. Heaven will not be segregated. And neither should Sunday morning. My friend Bug reminds me of that quite often. And <laughs> neither should Sunday morning. Uh, let's help make the kingdom come and God's will be done. Let's do that here on the earth to the best of our ability by reaching out to our brothers and sisters in Christ who may be different than us and, and focus on the oneness and the things we have in common. It's one thing I love about unity in the community. And when we all come together and we just worship together and our different unique styles come into play and we just rejoice and we celebrate our, our differences and our similarities. But you know what? Maybe even more importantly than that, is that let's reach out to those who may not know Christ. And maybe even people who are different from us who don't know Christ to show them that not only does Christ accept them, but we love them and we want them to be a part of his family as well. They understand the love of Jesus Christ. Guys, you know what? I think we can all do better to bridge our differences with each other. I know that I can as well. Next week, we're going to look closer at racism, why that is such a sin, and how we can overcome it and, and all of our own prejudices could be a great growing experience for some of us, regardless of what our, our background is. Right now, we're going to go to a time of communion. And what I love about this time is that it reminds us that we are so different from God, that we are truly flawed compared to Him, but that God was the one who took the initiative to reach out to us, to bridge the gap, to bring us to the Father. And, and He did that through Jesus, who gives us reconciliation and that same reconciliation is experienced not only with God, because we commune not only vertically with Him, but we commune horizontally with one another in this place. And so we invite you to do that. And I would say that if there's someone here who's different from you, and I'm not even talking about on the outside, I'm talking about your heart, someone that maybe you have a broken relationship with, someone that you need to, to reconcile with. The Bible speaks about that as well, about our brothers and sisters, people that are that, that are just like, look just like us. We can all have differences that we come together around the table and we forgive and we love and we accept with the same kind of grace that we've experienced from God. If you're here this morning and you're a believer in Christ, we invite you to share with us through the, the, the communion. We just encourage you just to come forward in just a few moments. We'll come up these outside aisles and come to the table and then circle back in. And let this be a time of response for us to get up and do something to say, we're, we're going to move on this. This is an issue that we need to address, but it all comes down personally to our relationship with Christ. And let's address that right now as we come to the table. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, I, I pray that my words have been pleasing to you, not, not perfect words and not said perfectly in any way, but Father, words of acknowledgement, words, uh, words of, of understanding, Father, words of hope and healing, I pray 
that, God, uh, we would begin to heal our hearts. Lord, if there are any areas in our life that we need to, to open up and be forgiven for, and I would say all of us would acknowledge that, that, God, these moments would be the time that we would do that, that we would just open our hearts. God, we would invite you in to address our prejudices, to address our, our, our attitudes. Uh, Father, maybe there's past experiences that one has had that has created some of these stereotypes or some of the even bitterness or hatred towards someone who's different. God, I pray you would be working your power, your will to address those things. And God, on every side of the aisle, that that would be true. That Lord, you would break down any barrier, anything that God would divide us. And Lord, just bring us to you, Lord. God, help us to celebrate the greatest outreach of two different groups that ever existed. And that was when you sent your son Jesus to this earth to die for us. That Lord, you bridged an incredible gap that no one could imagine that you would bridge, but you did it through Jesus. And Lord, now as we take of this communion, may we celebrate that. May we rejoice in that, Lord. Help us heal, help us grow. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.